the last Wednesday night prayer meeting, I was telling you that I've been doing studies on some of the, the, the men of the Old Testament. That night we looked at the life of Joseph and we saw the things about Joseph. But you know, I've come across a man and a name called Abraham. A man called Abraham. And you know, this man later became that great man, Abraham. I want to look at two parts of his life tonight and see how it can help you and me in our walk with the Lord. Can we turn to Genesis chapter 12, please? Genesis chapter 12. We're reading from the verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram, and Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Into the land of Canaan they came. Could we turn to Genesis chapter uh, 18? Genesis chapter 18. And here we see the angels and the Lord have come down and they're about to deal with Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord says, should I hide this from Abraham? You see, his name's changed. We're starting to read at verse 23. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare this place for the fifty righteous, that they may be far from thee after this manner? And he, uh, that be far from thee after, to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and the righteous should be as the wicked, and be it far from me, shall not the judge of the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare at the place. To save some time, we'll go down to verse 32. And he said, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned onto his place. Abraham, the son of Terah, he was born in Ur of the Chaldees, a city in Chaldea, which would today be modern Iraq. One quarter of the book of Genesis is given over to the story of Abraham. At times we see him living in the mountain peak. 
And at times we see him in the valley. He's living in victory. And other times he's living in defeat. Yet we see God was maturing him step by step until in Romans 4 and 11 we read, he is the father of many. I want us to see two things about this man tonight. I want you to see, first of all, this man received a divine personal call. He, he, found, he got a divine personal call. God was looking for a man. He was looking for a man that would lead the, uh, this, the great nation of Israel. And you know, I take comfort here. God didn't go to some great seminar, some religious seminar. He went to a place, he went to a house where a man and his family were idol worshippers. You know, that encourages me, friend. The Bible tells us that the greatest of all sinners, Saul, is in heaven. But you know, God didn't go into some theological uh, place in Jerusalem. He didn't go into some uh, synagogue to look for someone. He went into a place that a man who was worshipping idols. Child of God, do you remember the day <clears throat> that you got that personal call from the Lord? Sister and brother, do you remember that day that the Holy Spirit called you uh, onto the Lord? Do you remember that day that the idols of sin in your life was dealt with under the precious blood? Those idols that kept you away from the Savior, those idols that kept you away from him, the Holy Spirit came and spoke to you. I want you to notice something about this man. He listened to the call. He didn't reject the call. And the Lord said to him, I want you to get out. But he didn't just say, I want you to get out from serving these uh, idols. He said, I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave your friends. I want you to leave the nation that you love. I want you to go out and do a work for me, have a job of work for you to do. You know, this man didn't come and say, well, Lord, if I come to you as a workman, can I not work in Ur of Chaldees? The people here needs the gospel just as much as people elsewhere. You know, this man's life was stopped with obedience. It was stopped with obedience. What did he do? He obeyed the word of God. His obedience was speedy and without delay. He was submissive and without dispute. He was thorough and did not know where he was going. Why was this man willing to go and leave his country? Why was this man willing to go out and do this work for the Lord? We read it about it in that chapter. He was going with the promises of God. We read in verse 1, the Lord said, I will show you the land. He didn't even know where he was going to. He didn't know where he was going to. The Lord said, I will show you the land. And then he said in verse 2, I will make of thee a great nation. And best of all, he says, I will bless you. Child of God tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ 
is calling you and me. You and me are children of God. We're members of the family of God. And he's calling you and me to be workmen for him and workwomen for him. Just as this man was called to do a work, the Lord is calling you. He has called you into this church in the Ravenhill Road. When you got saved and uh, you came to the Lord, and I'm sure you so, uh, asked the Lord where you were to go to, to worship. And he has brought you to this place. Oh, friends, tonight, we need to be workmen for the Savior. We need to go out and do that work for him. You know, people would say to me, Tommy, it's all very well, but I'm not too well at the moment. You know, I can't go out. There's something I, I can't do. I remember the Reverend John Wiley. Many of you will know our brother John Wiley. What a preacher he was. And he came down to that wee church down the road. And as he was preaching, he, he said something. He said, you people are called into this church to do a work for the Lord. And he said, he pointed to one of the ladies, he says, dear, there's a wee job for you to do in the church. And he looked down and he said, sir, you're getting the gray hairs. He says, but there's a work of do for you. I want you to notice something about this man here, Abraham. The Bible tells us what age he was when the Lord called him. He wasn't 21. He wasn't 16. He wasn't 17. He was 75 years of age. 75 years of age. And God called him to do a work. And friends, that shows me that there's a work for all in the church to do, no matter what age you are. Oh, yes, I know there's people who are shut in and they can't go out and do things, but you'll see in a minute or two the different things that they could do. There's people who can't stand up and preach like me, and there's people who can't stand up and sing and do anything like that. But you know, they have a special job to do in the church, and there's a blessing to be done. This man was obedient. His heart was stamped with obedience. Maybe the Lord's putting something in your heart. You know, on a Monday night, we could do with workers sitting in among the children. On a Tuesday night over in Sandy Row, Jeff and Heather could do with workers there. We are praying that our Sunday schools will, be, will uh, grow and we'll be looking for Sunday school teachers. Oh, friend, will you have that obedient heart like this man? But you know, I lifted a little book that was given to me. And it told a story about a young boy who lived in London in the 18th century, uh, 1800s. And both his parents, he lost them because of the disease that was in London. He went to live with his grandmother. His grandmother was very poor. She lived in an upstairs flat. And the house was so cold and it was damp and everything. Two doors down, there was a little mission hall. And the little boy would go down every time there was a meeting and there would be a blazing fire. And he would sit beside that fire and he would hear the men preaching. 
that young man got gloriously saved. And you know, he came back and told his grandmother all about it. But you know, there was one day the grandmother went up to the bedroom and the little boy couldn't get out of bed. She sent for the doctor and the doctor took her out his side and he says, dear, I give him three months. I give him three months. The people in the little mission hall came to the little boy and they said to him, what would you like? And he said, I've never, ever had my own Bible. Can I have a Bible? And they said, we'll certainly get you a Bible. He said, could I get pencils and paper? And they said, so certainly will. That night in the little mission hall, they lifted an offering for that little boy. Next day, they brought the Bible and the, 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 the paper on the pencils. He said to the men that were there, would you please move my bed over closer to the window? And the men moved it over. That little boy, every day, he read the scriptures and he found a verse and he wrote it down in the paper and he made like a wee airplane and he threw it out the window. Do you know what happened? The Holy Spirit used that. And that little church that was so small, they started to grow with the converts that that little boy just throwing the message out the window. He couldn't get up out of bed. He couldn't do anything, only throw it out the window. But you know, one day there was a preacher and he came up from a wee little country church and he was so disheartened that his church wasn't going well. There was very little people in the church and he was about to go and tell the hierarchy and giving up preaching. As he walked past the little boy, and by the way, each little note, the little boy prayed, Lord, send this to the right person. And he wrote this first. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And that hit that minister on the head. And he looked at that note and it was like a narrow in his heart. And that man went back to his church and he built that church up. Oh friend, there's a work for all us to do. Every member of this church there's a work for us to do. But secondly, I want you to notice this man was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. We read in that chapter 18 that he approached the Lord. He approached the Lord. He was a man of prayer. He knew how to come and plead with the Lord. And as we look down, we see he was pleading for the souls of men and women in Sodom. Oh yes, he hated the, the sin of Sodom. He hated the sin of, of that time. But he was a pleader. He was a pleader for the Lord. Oh friends, we hate the sin in, in Northern Ireland. We hate the sin in our world. But are we praying to God? Are we pleaders? What we need is men and women like this man who pleaded with the Lord. He started off with 50. 
He started off with 40. He started off right down to 10. And he pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord said, yes, I'll answer it if there is. Oh, friends, we need to pray. If we want to see a work done in this house, we need to pray. Some time ago, the Reverend Gary Goods approached me. And he was a minister in Hillsborough. And he said to me, Tommy, I know you have traveled around countries and around Northern Ireland with Dr. Paisley. And I know that you've seen many great meetings and missions where souls were being saved. He said, would you come and take our meeting one night? I said, I certainly will. So I went that night, that Sunday night, and after I chose just one meeting, I've been in many meetings. There were uh, orange halls and um, barns and, and tent missions. But there was one meeting that sticks out of my life. And there was that meeting in Ballymena when there was over 350 souls saved. When I told them about that meeting, we were having a cup of tea. And Mr. Good said, Tommy, would you mind answering some questions? One of the questions was, Tommy, why is it not happening today? And why did it happen then? And I had to shoot a prayer to heaven. And I believe the Lord gave me the answer. Friends, the reason why God worked at that mission, the people of God were in the prayer meeting before the preacher went to preach. The only people that were sitting in the outer building were the ungodly. The people of God were in praying for God's servant. I remember driving home with Dr. Paisley one night and he said to me, Tommy, he said that prayer meeting was like heaven and earth. He says, I felt like not even stopping the prayer meeting. But you know, friends, the people had a desire to come and pray for the preacher before the meeting started. And you know, as we were praying, there was a woman came into that meeting. She thought it was going to be a political meeting. And even before Dr. Paisley or anybody, the Reverend McRae was the song leader. And we had a hymn. It was Jesus is passing this way. You know what spoke to her? Is there a heart that is waiting, longing for pardon today? Hear the glad message proclaiming, Jesus is passing this way. As we were praying in the prayer room, that dear woman got saved. Friends, if we want a work done for God, we need to pray. We need to pray. I remember at the start of every mission, Dr. Paisley would say, brethren and sisters, I want you to do something for me. At 11 o'clock in the morning, sister, when you're smoothing, doing smoothing, stop and pray for this mission. Brother, when you're in the workshop or you're doing your work, stop and pray for this mission. Young person in college, stop and pray for this mission. You know, this man was a man of prayer. And you know, friends, the only thing that'll help us is prayer. I was reading this morning 
Leonard Ravenhill. And this really shook me. He said, talking about people winning souls, could a mariner sit idle if he heard a drowning drowning cry? Could a, a doctor sit in comfort and just let his patients die? Could fireman's sit idle and let the people burn and not give a hand? Could you sit at ease and sound while others are damned? That spoke to my heart. Oh, friends, we need to, we need to pray. We need to pray that God will come upon this land, that we'll see a mighty revival break out. And you know, the only answer is not meetings. It's not uh, having meetings. The only answer is when God's people start to pray, when God's people start to sacrificially pray. One of the other answers I give to those young people at that meeting, I said the reason why God was working is because God's people were sacrificially praying. There were churches having half nights of prayer. There were churches that were having days of prayer and fasting. There were churches that pensioners were coming and having prayer meetings at 10 o'clock in the morning. There were early morning prayer meetings. I remember a preacher saying one time and down the wee church, much prayer, much blessing, little prayer, little blessing. Oh, friends, we need to pray. This man's life, he was stumped with obedience. I asked myself today as I prepared this message, have I an obedient heart? Is the Lord looking into me? You know, friend, some people would say to me, you know, I've prayed and God hasn't answered prayers. I've been praying. You need to look in. Because if they're sinning, he'll not answer. You need also to make sure that it's in his will. I remember my children would say to me, Dad, can I go to such and such a place? Or Dad, can I have this? And I would say to them, you can't go there. And you can't have that. I didn't do it because I didn't love them. I done it because I loved them. And child of God, there's things that God will keep from you, not because of anything. He'll do it because he loves you. Oh, I pray tonight that the Lord will speak as he spoke to my heart. I praise the Lord for those last couple of nights that Dr. Brown spoke about the closet. I remember many the time in the back of the police car with Dr. Paisley, and he used to call it the secret place. But I like what Mr. Brown calls it, into the closet. And our brother Peter showed us that when we go into that closet, we meet with a holy God, and we praise God, and we have a God that answers prayer. You know, I pray every day. I say, Lord, before you take me home, may I see what I saw before, all those hundreds of souls that were saved. During those meetings, I learned how to lead people to the Lord. I remember Dr. Paisley used to say to me, Tommy, 
if these people that are come out, if they're paisley comforts, they'll not last. But if the Holy Spirit has drawn them, they'll stay. And you know what happened in Ballymena? That wee church, which used to be Dr. Paisley's father's church, the Reverend Beggs had taken it over as a free church. It was far too small for those converts. They had to hold the meetings in the uh, town hall. And I remember Mr. Beggs inviting me sometimes down to sing and to see those converts sitting there and singing. And that church, uh, they, after a while, they had that beautiful big church that they have now. Oh, friends, as I look across our church on a Sunday night, I say to myself, I look forward to the day that those pews are filled again. But they'll only be filled when God's people start praying, when God's people start going out after people, when God's people start inviting. That little boy, that little cripple, he couldn't do anything. He could only pass the word of God. Let me challenge you as the Lord challenged me today. Does the people in your street know that you're a Christian? Do you pray for them? Do you give them gospel tracts? Just in closing, I remember a little woman came to Dr. Paisley one night and she said, Sir, I long to do a work for the Lord, but you know, all I can do is give a gospel tract to everybody that comes to my house. And Dr. Paisley said, dear, what do you mean? She says, well, the milkman comes for the weekly uh, payment. I give him a gospel track, and I have another one the next week. When the coal man comes, I give him a gospel track. When the paper boy comes, I give him a gospel track. And I remember God's servant saying, dear, you'll be blessed. You'll hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Tell me, friend, tonight, will you hear from the lips of the Saviour? Well, good, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You know, we have to answer for our work. Praise God, we'll not answer for our sins. Our sins are washed in the blood. But each one of us will have to give an account. And you know, I often say to myself, when I look on the Saviour's face, well, I say, I wish... I had given him more. I pray that the life of this man, Abraham, his, lamp, his life was stamped with obedience. Child of God, if God asks you to do something, have an obedient heart. He was also a man of prayer. I praise God that we do have men and women in this church, and they are men and women of prayer. You folks here tonight proves that our church have men and women of prayer. I just pray that the Lord will bless this word to our hearts.